Hi, this is Pastor Ken Ortiz, and welcome to Real Answers to Real Questions. This podcast is designed to do just exactly that. In my 35 years of pastoral ministry, I've had hundreds of people, if not thousands, come to me with various questions, and frankly, it's so hard for people on a normal Sunday morning to come up and ask those questions. So we've created a format where you can submit your questions, and I'll do my best to provide you with as scripturally accurate an answer as I can to those questions. On the following shows, uh, Dan McMahon is going to be co-hosting with me. He has been my co-host for, with my radio program for many years, and he's a good friend. He's an elder in our church, and uh, we're going to just basically engage in a conversation as we go through the questions that you have submitted. All right, today's podcast is going to be a little bit different. We're just going to have one question, and because of the nature of the question, we're joined in studio by our worship pastor, Eric Sullivan. Glad to have you here, Eric. And so I'm going to go ahead and read the question right now. It says, what are your thoughts on Bethel Church and Bill Johnson? I've read online some very disheartening and sometimes even disturbing things about their ministry and what they teach and believe. I am unsure if they are true because I have only briefly read things online, but if they are, why are so many churches still promoting their music and ministry? All right, let's throw that out. Get well, started. let me start by saying, uh, in large part, because their music is really good. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you just can't deny the fact that they produce some beautifully well-sung and, and for the most part, well-written songs. Mm-hmm. And I think part of the reason in talking about music is why we asked Eric to come and be part of the conversation, because he's our worship leader, and he has had to address this topic himself because we began to find that there were certain lyrics that, uh, in a way, what we, we, we refer to as a double entendre. They had two levels of meaning. Mm. I mean, I hear it, but the dictionary they use to define some of their terms is different than the one that I would use. And so as we began to look into it, realizing that there were some theological implications in what they were saying that we had trouble subscribing to. I guess I kind of pass it off to Eric, and he could probably speak with more authority on, on that whole dynamic. But uh, what do you think, Eric? Well, I would say that before we even start discussing this, the person mentioned that they've already read some concerning things about Bethel Online. And while I do agree there are concerning teachings coming out of the church, I think it's worth mentioning a YouTube video uh, by a pastor named Mike Winger where he addresses a lot of these issues head on. Uh, I think he did a really good job, a fair job, addressing the theology and teaching that's coming from Bill Johnson's church. But he did it without bashing the people or the ministry. Because I think when you go online and, and you begin to start sifting through people's personal encounters with Bethel, or their negative experiences or disagreements, it quickly becomes difficult to know what's true and what's not. And you'll probably see a lot of quote-unquote heresy watching websites that put every little thing they're doing under a microscope and tear it apart. But in this video, Mike Winger carefully chooses actual sermon clips of Bill Johnson's teachings And he explains why they're so concerning. So I would say that that's probably the best place to start for someone who wants to gain a better, accurate understanding of some of the more controversial topics surrounding the ministry at Bethel. But for those who maybe aren't familiar with some of the things that this person might be talking about, there's some key words that start to show up quite a bit when you start doing research on your own. 
And some of the things that people are skeptical of are the appearances of angel feathers in the <laughs> sanctuary, um, gold dust appearing in the in people's hands during worship. There's a video of a glory cloud hovering over the stage on YouTube. Uh, the diamonds appearing underneath seats during service. And there's terms like fire tunnels and grave sucking, dead raising teams, and even a video of the old children's director explaining uh, to the parents how they take their kids on a field trip to heaven on Sunday mornings. And a lot of these things sound strange, sure, but I don't want to spend time addressing those right now because I think the part that we need to be most concerned with is the teaching aspect. Mm -hmm. And at Bethel, uh, Bill Johnson is seen as an apostle, and Chris Vallotton is viewed as a modern-day prophet. And Bill doesn't call himself an apostle, but members of his church refer to him that way. Um, and in Acts 2.42, the Bible talks about how the early church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And the New Testament, what we would say is the complete recording of those teachings, Bill says is still open and ongoing. Mm -hmm. And this sort of allows his teaching to be on an equal playing field with Scripture from the pulpit. And he even says that our words can have power akin to God the Father when he spoke creation into existence. And there's a sermon where he stated that he refuses to allow for a theology where God doesn't heal 100% of the time. Uh, he teaches that God will always heal physical ailments. And these things sound really great and exciting to people initially. But the problem is, one, they're not true. And two, uh, it draws them in and, and you later encounter his other teachings, like the ones where he says Jesus had to be born again and that he wasn't actually fully God and fully man, but he was just a man living in right relationship with God. And you start to see, once you have all these theological systems in place, uh, they're kind of these setup phrases that begin to make sense of why there's such an emphasis on signs and wonders there. Um, and I started noticing some ties to the NAR movement, which is the new apostolic reformation movement. And they won't state directly that they're involved with it, but the point is that there's a lot of similarities with what they're doing. Um, for instance, in Dominion Now Theology, or also called Kingdom Now Theology, there's this thing called the Seven Mountain Mandate. And the idea is that if the church can conquer these seven pillars of society, that we can usher in the return of Christ. And number six on the list is arts and entertainment, and number seven is media. And if you know anything about Bethel, you know that they have the Bethel Music Label, they have the Artist Collective... They just launched the Bethel School of Technology. They have the Online Worship U program. And they've got like the most talented musicians and graphic designers and videographers on their team. So they're trying to engage the culture with a professional product that's comparable to the secular world, but that has their church's beliefs in it through their media content. Yeah. And I'll give them credit, they're doing an incredible job at it. And like Ken said earlier, their music and the songs are very well done. And even though the lyrics of the songs might not necessarily catch someone off guard or hint at a contradiction in scripture or something, the dangerous part, I think, is that it draws people into the church and that kind of sparks their curiosity about the rest of the ministry. 
and and then eventually leads into being um, underneath those teachings. Mm-hmm. And so back to the original question, though, I think the reason that so many churches are still promoting their music and singing these songs is is two reasons. I've talked uh, to a few of my worship pastor friends about it, and either A, people just don't know about it, or they maybe have heard about it, but don't believe that that's really what Bethel's teaching, and they just want to keep doing their music because it's really good. So let me ask you this question. For the average person who uh, is just listening to Bethel music and just loves it and feels like they're, it's very worshipful and it brings them closer to God, um, is there a danger in, do you think, in, in the way some of this is, the music is written because of the teachings within the church itself? Or do you think it's a safe place? Do you think people are okay to be listening to the, to the music and just um, getting, getting the closeness to God through, through it? Mm. Well, in that case, I would say the decision rests on the individual to be discerning on a song-by-song basis whether or not that music's going to be beneficial for their worship time. Because on a personal level, I can get a lot out of their songs and still feel like I'm connecting with God and worshiping to them. Yeah. But knowing now the deeper connection that their music has to the ministry and its teachings forced us to make a decision on what to do in a corporate worship setting with the worship teams at our church. Because some of my worship leader friends argue that a song should be evaluated on its own for theological accuracy and that we should make decisions whether or not we're going to incorporate a worship song in church on a case-by-case basis. And in a normal circumstance, I would totally agree with that until we realize that every song that we use in our services Um, has to be reported for copyright purposes. And therefore, every time we use a Bethel song, we're, in a small way, basically directly funding their ministry. And the thing about Bethel, it's not just one guy and one church. It's a rapidly growing movement with an underlying mission. So if an individual is comfortable purchasing or streaming their music, knowing that in a small way it's contributing to their ministry, then I would say it's up to them to make that decision. I just think that we always have a responsibility to be discerning of the lyrics that we're singing or listening to, no matter what artist it's coming from. But in this specific case, uh, also the teachings that Mm -hmm. are tied to the name. Yeah, I I think about uh, lyrics like God's Reckless Love, which has uh, been quite controversial. I mean, I, what do you mean God's love is reckless? And, and in order, I, I suppose that they have a different definition of reckless than we might find in a dictionary. <laughs> so the, the concern really is the, within the writing of the, the music and the production of the songs, that there's the interweaving of the, of the ministry and the, and the teachings within there that may be yeah. off doctrine to, to infuse the, the writing? Well, I think it's like a lot of things. The, the music draws people to the ministry. Mm-hmm. And then it's when you get into the teaching of the ministry, I think, that most of the conflicts arise because Bill Johnson is a very winsome. Uh, I mean, he's a, seems like a wonderfully nice guy. And I mean, uh, you, you, he's somebody who's easy to listen to. Mm-hmm. And I think he loves the Lord. I, I don't think he's insincere or being diabolical or anything of that nature. But the problem is, is that it, you can get, get off just one degree and before long, you know, you're miles away from where you should yeah. be. And I just think about, like, he makes, one of the statements he makes, uh, he says, the Bible is not a book of lists that confines or restricts God. I mean, it's, it's like, wait a minute, I mean, what exactly are you saying? Because 
the Bible is God's word, yeah. and yet you're saying that if we take it literally or we walk closely with it, we're restricting God? Hasn't God defined himself? And in defining himself, God is not restricting himself. He's defining himself to restrict us. Mm-hmm. And yet somehow this pushes all that aside, and therefore I don't want to restrict God so anything is possible. You know, I mean, it opens the door to any other uh, other issue in your life. And it's it's like, uh, um, I think about another one that I came across, I thought was, uh, uh, you, you can't be devoted to the Word more than you are to the Spirit. Without the Spirit, it's dead. And you see, there again, you say, the Holy Spirit wrote the word, yeah. and yet you're saying as if there's if if the spirit and the word are in opposition to each other. So these are really kind of clever sayings, and people don't really think them through. But if you really sit down and read them and analyze them, you begin to realize what you're really saying is that we we can live in an extra biblical world. Yeah. You know, we we can go beyond that. And I think what what I I think uh, Winger brings out so well in that videotape is that the and he shows it by you know Bill's own teaching that at the crux, at the heart of the, the whole thing is a belief that, that, that there are two levels of truth when it comes to the Word of God. There's, there's Jesus' truth, and then there is ordinary truth. And he said, basically, we take Jesus' words as being supreme, and if what Jesus says doesn't agree with what the, the Old Testament in particular, or even Paul said, then we, we defer to Jesus' as if it's a higher truth. What most people don't recognize is that's essentially the basis of Gnosticism, hmm. one of the great heresies the Church has battled since the, the first century. And that was Marcion's idea that the God of the Old Testament was the evil demiurge, and we don't listen to that. And so he went through and selectively chose the parts of the New Testament that he thought agreed with who Jesus was. And essentially, you begin to pick and choose. And so when uh, he he made one comment, I, I saw in one one answer, uh, question answer period was, he says, I don't believe that God uh, works through storms. And I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> I can cite uh, numerous examples of in the scriptures where God worked through storms, and yet he's essentially saying those storms that bring disaster aren't God. But so what, what was Sodom and Gomorrah all about? Yeah. And, and why did Jesus make reference to Sodom and Gomorrah and the judgment that comes? And why did Jesus make ju- judgment about the fire that's going to come at the end of the world? In other words, there's this, if you're going to interpret the, biblic, the Bible consistently from Genesis to Revelation, you're going to have a lot of contradictions that are at least seeming contradictions you're going to have to deal with if only what Jesus said works. Yeah. Well, and I think, so the... So as we take a look at the big picture, I mean, we could we could probably spend some more time digging into some of the uh, particulars of this, but I think the bigger picture is like with anything, if we we need to dive into these things and really see what are behind them. If we're going to embrace a certain culture or a teaching or yeah. or ministry or music or any of that, we should we should be able to um, do some deeper dives and, and really figure what it's all about, especially if we're asking the Holy Spirit to guide us and we get some checks in our spirit as we listen to songs. Mm-hmm. And I think he's faithful to do that as we're listening to music. If it's not appropriate, there's going to be something that'll make me kind of cock my head like a dog that doesn't understand something. Yeah. And I better do some digging. Well, it's interesting because uh, uh, Mark Duthout in his book, Bad Religion, which is a, I'd recommend as a great read, but he talks about the nature of heresy, and he says that what heresy is always an attempt to uh, improve the Scriptures. Hmm. It basically looks at a lot of the, the things that seem contradictory to the rational mind, and it tries to smooth them out and make them more efficient. And he said every heresy has had that behind it. I think about one of the things that... Uh, that uh, 
uh, Bethel or Bill teaches, he says, Jesus didn't say, my sheep will know my book. In other words, he said, my sheep will know my voice. And so immediately he's taken the Jesus's voice and he distinguishes it from the word of, the God. Word of God. Yeah. yeah. And that's a, that's, a, that's a distinction that is not biblical. Right. <laughs> and that was Jesus' whole point. And yet so, suddenly he's saying that just because the book says it doesn't mean that Jesus can't speak something beyond that. And, we're, and the idea is we're kind of putting God into a box. We're not putting God into a box, but we are putting his word into a book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there's, those, those kind of things are, are, are things that most people don't immediately pick up on. But it does have consequences. Bad theology has bad consequences in people's lives. And so there have been some situations that have turned out tragically that are never talked about just because people took this teaching literally. And uh, one case where an individual was not given proper medical treatment because they believed that they could be healed. Mm. And I mean, that scenario has been played out so many times through faith movements over the years. And it's... uh, and it's at those points when when the theology breaks down, and you know Bill Johnson's response is, "Well, I don't I don't like to think about those things because it it just messes with the anointing. Hmm. So if it doesn't add up, so when he had to have hernia surgery, even though he teaches everybody should be healed, but he had to have hernia surgery. Well, there again, why did you get Lack surgery? Why it doesn't yeah. add up? And he just uh, the way at least I understood him saying is, "Well, I don't like to go there because it's just." It just uh, messes with the anointing. Eric, you touched on some things uh, earlier, um, things like uh, the uh, the gold dust and the angel feathers and the diamonds and and things like that. What uh, can you can you give a can you expand on that a little bit more and talk about what <laughs> what, what was this in services? Where or? do I get in on yeah. this? <laughs> sure, I can't really comment outside of just retelling the stories I've read about or heard of. And yeah. so the angel feather thing, Bill Johnson has commented on um, a couple stories. I think one time he was at a restaurant and an angel feather appeared above the table and just kind of hovered and floated down. Or I think he mentioned it happening at home while he was laying in bed and at church or something like that. But the gold dust has appeared on people's hands during worship Uh, in the sanctuary, and there was a story of a visitor one time sitting and noticed that there was a diamond under the seat in front of them, and so after the service was over, they took it to the lost and found to turn it in, and the church volunteer uh, or staff, whoever, told them that that happens all the time, that's for you to keep, and so... um, these are just kind of explained as as the Lord manifesting His presence there, and again, I can't really comment. I've never been there. I've never seen these things happening. So, yeah, gotcha. you know, if if these things sound strange to you, I think that's just kind of back to the point of you know we as believers have this responsibility to um, be aware of the things that are going on um, in the church and the churches around us. And, yeah. And just being discerning about what the Bible says is true, and and uh, and Bethel specifically, you know, it's it's like we said before, it's it's a hugely influential movement, yeah. and they're doing such a great job taking their uh, message out into the world. They've got these outcry tours, and Jesus Culture is is a connection with Bethel, and. And they're taking these out and promoting these these concerts so that people can experience and encounter 
um, something similar to what takes place um, in their church and their ministry. Yeah. And so again, like I think Mike Winger, back to that video, he just does such a good job of fairly assessing the teaching that's coming out of that church because, like he says in that video, mostly the gospel that they're they're teaching is intact, but it comes with a few additions, and that's where it gets dangerous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So just to wrap up that uh, that video that you're referring to, that's uh, a YouTube video, and it's Mike Winger. Yeah. Winger. So uh, if you're listening and you'd like some more information, take a look at that and and see what you think. But appreciate you coming in today and and sharing some thoughts with us and all the time you've you've taken to do some research and uh, and as Eric said, you know, just spend some time diving in and figuring out what. Uh, what the Word really says uh, as you're listening to music, you know, pray and and allow God to open your heart and, and look for things that may not be of Him. Amen. Well, this brings us to the end of our current podcast, and I hope that our responses to the questions that you submitted were helpful. If you found them to be worthwhile and this is a good investment of your time, we encourage you to write a review and uh, send us your comments. This is a forum in which we're looking to have a dialogue with those who listen. If you have questions that you would like us to answer, we'd encourage you to submit those. Uh, You can do that easily by just going to our website at www.calvaryspokane.com. And we'll take them as they come in. Just about any question is okay, but we just like to say that we try to answer biblical questions. Uh, I can't give you financial advice or medical advice, but I can tell you what the Bible has to say. Uh, We encourage you to subscribe to this podcast so that you can join with us regularly as we continue to answer your questions with what we believe are real biblical answers.